Okay, it's episode 68 of the Brian Hornback Experience, and we have another candidate uh, running for local office. We have Miss Annabelle Henley. She's running as an independent for Knox County School Board in the 9th District over in South Knoxville. Annabelle, how are you? I'm doing great, and I am actually running as a Democrat. Oh. So, um, yep. Oh, well, I guess... I guess it would help if I paid closer attention to the list. My bad. That's all right. The good news the well, good the good news is though you will be unopposed in May. Correct. So, so you will be on the ballot in August. So um my bad my bad on that. I guess nope. I, I guess when I interviewed Dominique, I just assumed everybody was running as an independent, but we will talk about that a little bit as well. But uh so you're gonna wind up facing either uh the incumbent, Christy Christie, or her opponent. Uh, who will come out of the May primary. So you will be on the ballot. You'll be on the ballot in May, unopposed in the Democrat primary. And then obviously in August, you'll face one of those two folks, um, whoever wins that primary. So let's talk about Annabelle Henley. Um, tell us tell us about Annabelle. I understand you are an educator, but uh, tell us all about your Knoxville roots. So um, I, uh, well, my, my grandparents met at UT in the 20s. My grandfather played ball for UT um, and he was president of his freshman class and just scored the first touchdown ever on Shields Watkins field. Wow. So I have, I have deep <laughs> orange roots for sure. Um, but my mom was the black sheep of the family, went to um, Vanderbilt. Mm. And so she met my dad and we, I grew up in Nashville um, until high school. And then I went and moved to Louisville, Kentucky. But when it was time for college, I came back to Tennessee I went to Sewanee for a couple of years wow. and then decided I wanted to major in um, education of the deaf. And so I transferred to UT, um, actually lived with my grandmother out in Fountain City and got my degree in deaf ed, met my husband at the school for the deaf. And he is a born and bred South Knoxvillian. So um, we lived in Island Home for a while. Then we headed to Memphis for 10 years and raised our kids mostly there. And then came back here when our youngest was in the second grade and he was in dogwood, went up through dogwood and then took a little detour over to Vine, which mm. was the best situation for him at the time. And then went back and graduated from South Doyle. So um, when uh, I stayed home and raised my kids for a bit and um, interestingly, always wanted to be on the school board because I was always intrigued by the decisions they made. But um, when I got back into the workforce, ended up working for a doctor and he trained me on office management. And so currently I work at the Knox County health department and I do, um, I, it's kind of a good marriage of my degree and this job because I do a lot of health education. Um, I work in the women's clinic. And so we go into the to Knox County detention facility. We go into different um, rehab places and we do a lot of um, education about the services that we offer. Now, and you're also an active member of St. Luke's Episcopal Church over in East Knoxville, correct? Yes, I am. And it's, a, it's a wonderful place. And let's talk about the uh, the board that you serve on Village to Village Project. Tell us about where that's at and some of the trips you've made with that organization. Well, I met, um, we are an adoptive family, and um, I was in an online support group um, back in the late 90s um, when we first considered adoption and met a woman who uh, went on to start um, uh, an organization in Uganda called Village to Village. And she was from a small village in Vermont. She got hooked up with some folks in a very remote village in Uganda. 
And she went to visit back when they had never, ever seen a white person in that village. And so it was very interesting. Um, so she, she's an incredible lady. But she, um, so she decided just with a little bit of money, she could make a difference there. Because, you know, education is not free there. And um, education is obviously the key to success. And so she started this group and she reached out to some of her friends and said, hey, does anybody want to uh, sponsor a kid? You know, it's $55 a month. And you can really literally change a life. And so mm-hmm. we started out as sponsors back when we had zero money, <laughs> but we, it, it was a, it was a, um, a real priority for us. And, um, then when my husband got a better job, um, when we moved back here to Knoxville, I had always wanted to go. So I reached out to the lady and she's like, okay, you know, you can go with me. And I went and just, whenever you, I think whenever you do something, you become super passionate about it. So, I was able to meet the staff and um, it's now grown into an organization that sponsors 250 children, um, including their, some of, and we also have sponsorships for their HIV positive guardians. So it's just really turned into a fantastic organization. And after I went, they asked me if I wanted to be on the board. And now I would say probably in the past, since I started going five years ago, um, close to 40 family members and friends have started sponsoring kids. Wow, that's fantastic. So it, it's been a great experience and it's great to bring, you know, my family and friends along with me, so to speak. So, I mean, obviously, you know, educator, uh, you know, you got some, some health background, you've got, uh, now, uh, you know, you've, you've kind of, you've kind of branched out into a global impact. So now we're going to kind of, uh, talk about, uh, the Knox County school system. <laughs> You know, one thing you you said, one thing you say on, and well, I'll give the websites, the Twitters, the Instagrams, all that at, at the end. But one thing you said is that um, uh, that you have the stability, clear vision uh, that are needed to guide Knox County out of the current crisis of leadership facing our school system. So let's talk about briefly, kind of what you envision that that crisis of leadership that's going on right now with the school board. What? You know, I mean, I think we all know what you're talking about, but go ahead and, and uh, let's touch on that just real briefly. And then we'll talk about kind of your platform and, and where, where you would like to, to see your leadership uh, if you're elected to the school board and, and what that looks like. Okay. Well, I am, um, you know, in the past few years, um, my role in the health department shifted to COVID, um, mm. COVID response. And so um, my, I kind of ran my clinic. I had one foot in my clinic, but also hung out across the hall in the epidemiology department and ran a lot of the COVID response, um, handled a lot of the school clusters and, and was just really impressed with not with Knox County that first year and how they handled things. And, and then this past past fall, you know, everything kind of went out the window and that was really concerning. Um, and it it seemed like, um, they just kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And, um, so watching how that has developed this year and how so much time, um, and effort and money has been focused on fighting um, the mask mandate. It, it's just been really concerning. Um, a, a perfect example, I think, was Monday night at the um, work meeting last week. The that you know when they did the the Esther presentation, and Dexter Murphy came in and talked about some of the wonderful initiatives that that they're coming up with to um, to deal with educational outcomes. And he did a great presentation, and it kind of looked like the news folks were going to interview him at the end. Um, and then all the mask stuff came up again, and the, the you know the kind of three ring circus thing. And and as um, 
as he he, he went over and approached the news folks afterwards, and Carly Harrington was there with him, and it looked like there was a plan to interview him. That was kind of the plan. And the news guy just looked at him and said, eh, we're going to go with Matt. Sorry. Right. And I thought that was just the perfect example of where we are. And, you know, these great educational academic initiatives that we're trying to get back to is not what we're focused on, you know, and that, that's, that is kind of when I talk about the crisis of leadership, I want to get us back to being focused on the things that are important for the students. Well, um, and even, even, even myself, who would be considered, I guess, a conservative blogger, conservative podcaster. I mean, I've said from the beginning, I'm not going to argue about masks. I'm not going to argue about the pandemic. If you're, you know, if, if you, if you want to go get the vaccine, go get the vaccine. Obviously I got it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm just not, I just don't, I just don't think that from the beginning, I just didn't think there was much of a reason for us to argue about, about mask and vaccines. Uh, and you know, it's just, uh, I, I can't remember. It was back in the summer. Dang, well, might've even been toward the end of last school year when they were going through one, one of the major arguments, I think it was whether they were going to proceed with, with um, their current policy, are they going to redo, or they they were going to throw their old policy out? And you know, Daniel Watson had documented exactly how many meetings and how many how many hours they had talked about it, and and you know, nothing has really changed. I mean, that's kind of consumed everything. Um, so you know, I think, I mean, obviously, I think we're going to, I think as a community, um, those voices are still going to be out there. I, I don't know that we're going to be able to change them. Uh, you know, anytime in the near future. So let's talk about, uh, you've got basically three platform, three, three major emphasis of platform. Uh, and first we're going to talk about, which I, I think is very interesting. Uh, even when I was on the school board 20 years ago, we talked about it. I don't know that in my four years serving on the school board, we ever really got to it, but, um, you talk about empowering educators with resources. Uh, so let's talk about that. I mean, I, when I was on the school board 20 years ago, we had about 180, might have gone over 200 million now we're at about 600 million i think give or take a few dollars so let's talk about the empowering educators with resources obviously you are one uh or you were an educator probably well i guess you still are in your role at the health department so let's talk about um your uh, empowering educators with resources yeah, so, you know, talking, I have a lot of friends that are teachers and educational assistants, and then I have a lot of friends that are parents. And so what I've been trying to do is talk with them and get kind of feedback from parents and from teachers, especially in, in uh, District 9, about what they feel like they need. Right. Um, talked to the teacher last night, and, you know, my, the, the number one thing that I hear over and over again is that our support staff needs to be to be better compensated you know i've even had teachers say you know i would love a raise and we need one but please take care of these people um and i think that's really we shined us really shone a spotlight on this the past couple of years because because of covid so much has fallen on our support staff um you know our custodians have been extremely overworked and um, and they're paid very very little um right. and then the educational assistants have had to cover classes i know um, you know, over at Dogwood, they, they do a lot of teaching, these folks do, and, and some of them make $17,000 a year, yep. which is, is, it's just absolutely, um, it's, it's almost criminal. And so one thing that I have done at the health department is um, we do a lot of looking, for, we don't have much money either. Right. 
And although right now we do because of COVID, but not, um, not normal funds. And so, um, Pre-COVID, a big part of my job was trying to find funds to do some of the initiatives that I wanted to and and looking at processes and looking at budgets and trying to see where we can lean this down to try to find some money to shift into something that really needs to be done. And I don't know yet enough about the Knox County school system and their budget and how things go, but it seems to me like um, that process could be applied to the Knox County schools and, you know, we could start maybe instead of trying to find more money from county commission, we can just see where maybe we could lean something down or, or, uh, you know, eliminate something that's not as focused on empowering educators. So that's kind of where I'm going with that. Also, I'm concerned about the facilities. You know, some of the mm-hmm. schools are literally falling apart. Right. Um, the whole issue with the playgrounds is, is so sad that you know the schools have to work so hard to to get their own playgrounds although I, another part of my um, my role at the health department is finding grant money and so you know if if they're really if we need to go outside which I've, I've really been impressed with some of the teachers and um, and folks that have applied for grants to cover things that are not available in the budget so I would like to see that that part of the um, of funding improved as well well and you bring up a good point because you know when you look at when you look at bus drivers when you look at of course granted that's a contracted service that Knox County does with with um, contractors that provide the buses and the bus drivers but when you look at bus drivers when you look at cafeteria workers when you look at custodians when you look at um, school office staff uh, all those people are the frontline people those are the people who are seeing kids when they come in they're seeing kids uh, also you mentioned EAs uh, you know, you, those are the people that are in the front line. Um, and um, I mean, I also know that we still, we, we've increased some school nurses, but, you know, we could always use a few more school nurses, especially in, in light of what we've been going through for the last couple of years. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, you know, re- obviously you're representing, you live in an area that is a very blue collar area in South Knoxville. Um, so obviously, um, I think you're on the right track in uh, wanting to see what those folks would like to see uh and and again i I think your community that you hope to represent is a very blue collar they're not going to be they don't they don't have the resources necessarily to want uh an income uh state a property tax increase which is what we would have to have if we had a tax increase so i I think you're going in the right direction with that so let's then talk about ensuring student success um and that's something I'm, I'm still really delving into sure. and trying to understand more. But what I keep hearing from the teachers is that they're spending a lot of time on assessments, on um, other activities. Uh, apparently now they're having to call kids that have missed five days in a row. You know, things that pull them away from educating our kids. And so I think that the, the, the academic um, success is really suffering there. And so um, I, I do think with some of the ESSER funds that we're headed in the right direction, um, and increasing some literacy outcomes and increasing um, the algebra scores, uh, things like that. But I just, again, I want to take the good lean look at what are we requiring teachers to do that is not something that's focused on our children improving their learning outcomes. And, it, and so that's that's kind of where I'm going with that. And it, it would be fantastic if the legislature would, would um, you know, if, if the State Department of Education along with the legislature would, 
would remove some of those tie, some of those strings that they have on education. You know, at this point, it looks like this legislative session is just going to be about um, redoing the funding formula uh, so that maybe we've got more money coming per kid uh, than we have in the past through the BEP dollar. Through, yeah, through the BEP dollars. But um, it would be nice, you know, like, like how they lifted some of those um, some of those educational rest those restrictions uh, back during COVID. It'd be nice if they would lift those on a more permanent basis and give more. You know, the problem is we have a we have a state education system, but but they allow local local boards like the Nice King School Board to govern and run those run these school systems, but then they don't. But then we have a legislature that doesn't necessarily trust the local school boards to do the job. And, uh, you know, obviously that's that's frustrating in and of itself. And, you know, one of the other things that you have in your platform is equitable, equitable practices for all. And I think I think obviously, you know, you're going to be in, you're, you're in a district uh, where, you know, we could see um, we could see vast differences. And, uh, you know, you, you even you and Don, your husband even made the decision that it was best for, for your child to go into a magnet program. Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, obviously um, you've got some schools that are, that are very highly populated with students and you got some that don't have a lot of students. So, you know, it's like, how do we find the right mix? Uh, you know, you got new Hopewell that's uh, I'm, I'm assuming is still booming uh, with, with number of students that attend new Hopewell. And then you got uh, Gap Creek and, and um, South Knox that are, a lower population so you know how do you know how do we get to that uh, equitable uh, performance for every student um, you know the, the magnet schools do really well I mean what we're seeing from from the stem school is is phenomenal but then how do we get that for a, a regular student in a regular classroom so uh, I would I guess you're still kind of I mean obviously that's what we want right we want every student to have equitable um and, and ensure that that's happening so um how uh, how have how has the response been as, as you've been out talking to folks uh, are they are they ready for a change in south knoxville i feel like they are I, you know I've, I've talked to a lot of folks that would like to see us um south knoxville going in a different direction and i've talked to older folks that don't have kids in the school system that are concerned about the infrastructure for, with all these um the new subdivisions that are popping mm. up you know are we going to, are the schools going to be able to support, um, the, is there infrastructure to support the, the academic achievement of those kids, even just the physical schools? Are they going to be able to handle that? Um, and I've, I've talked to parents who are also concerned about that, but, you know, I think part of my, um, my background, um, I have an adopted son that is um, of a different race than our family. And so it's one of the reasons that we chose. He also has some learning differences. And mm. so it's one of the reasons we chose Vine for him, mm. um, both because of the diversity there and also because of the smaller school where he could get um, get more services. But then, when you know, when he went to South Doyle High, that there were some great great folks there um that he had he was in some co-taught classes and and he really got some good services there uh, miss dixon was his counselor and she was just fabulous so um you know we've seen some really good things but i just want to make sure that we are very um cognizant of our of our kids that um that have disabilities that they're getting their needs are being met and also that when we look from Hardin valley to 
um, Austin East and South Doyle, we're seeing all the same types of resources and availability. And, and you mentioned STEM, you know, that's kind of a, I would love to be able to see us do more with those kinds of offerings that, that those kids have there. But I think, you know, you should be able to, to be able to get the same classes at Austin East and South Doyle as you do at Hardin Valley or West. And um, just want to make sure that we're, we're, making those um offerings available to all of our students and yeah yeah and one of the, one of the things that that i that, that we talked about when i was on the board 20 years ago was that you know if you offer if you're offering russia at farragut high school and you got a student at gibbs that wants to take russia russian there's no reason why and i you know i don't know why i brought up russia it just came off the top of my head i mean I, <laughs> I, I wonder we, why. I guess I know, it's on all of our minds right now. I know we got. I know we got Russia invading Ukraine right now. But but uh, but you know there should be a way. And, and this was 20 years ago. There should be a way that you can. You know you you could have. And we talked about it. You, there should have been a way to be able to take that teacher that's teaching Russian at Farragut and hook up a computer uh, that allows that kid at Gibbs. Now, obviously, with the technology we have today versus 20 years ago, that definitely shouldn't be a problem. Exactly. Uh, and so, you know, I, I hope I hope that the that the next board, uh, because we got, you know, there's five races up this year. Uh, three of the um, three of the school board members are choosing not to run for reelection. So, you know, this this new this new group of school board members that are going to take office on September 1st. You know, there's going to there's going to be three new members for sure that we know of, potentially four or five, uh, depending on what happens with the election. So, you know. I would hope that that those type of conversations will continue to be uh, to be advanced in ways that we can offer uh, a class that we're offering to Farragut to a kid at Gibbs or or a kid at Halls can get the same offering that a kid at South Dole could get. Um, right. So you know, I think we're all on the same page there. You know, so um, you're very active. Um, you've got a website, Annabelle A N N A B E L, the number four education uh, education.com you're also on facebook same place annabelle facebook annabelle for education you're on instagram annabelle for education and uh, on twitter one of my favorite platforms obviously twitter doesn't like all those letters so obviously you had to cut it to annabelle the number four edu um and you know the the big the the big 29 year, um, big 29 year snow that we uh, had 29 years ago decided to repeat on March the 12th of uh, 2022. So you were planning a big kickoff on Sunday, March 13th, but you decided that we didn't know how fast the snow would would take off. So you're actually going to have your kickoff on Sunday, March 20th, uh, from three to five at Sono Taco at 3701 Severeville Pike. I'm sure you would like for a lot of folks to come by for that kickoff, wouldn't you? That would be great. Yeah, we went over there today just to make sure that no one showed up, and we only had one one friend show, so um, hopefully everyone got the word that it's postponed till next Sunday. Right. So, um, well, we wish you well. Uh, obviously, you know, the Brian Hornback Experience, the Brian Hornback Podcast, brianhornback.com, any, any activities you have going on, any – Anything that, that you want people to know about, you know, you're certainly welcome to send that to me and, and I'll pass it on to the readers. And I'm sure that we'll be talking again before before um, before the big general election, August the 4th. But uh, 
congratulations. I'm sure if you and Don vote for yourself on May the 3rd, then you're going to win the primary and then you get to go on to August. So, um, uh, you know, congratulations on that. And uh, we'll be talking to you again real soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay.